The owner of e-commerce site Timu, Pinduoduo, posting some very strong quarterly numbers just as its rival Shein files to go public. Today, investing in the future of online shopping and which winner may take all. It is Tuesday, November 28th, and this is the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. Timu and Xi'an are Chinese e-commerce giants that are taking the American consumer by storm. Seemingly limitless options at extremely low prices. D, this is one of our favorite topics, and there's news today on, on both of these. You know, it feels like we can't do enough on these companies because they're really just expanding by leaps and bounds here. And I would say your description, somewhat generous, Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the other the other way you could describe them is sort of, uh, yeah, unending piles of junk delivered to your door. <laughs> at, at bargain basement prices yeah. or, yes. or for cents in some cases. But let's start with Pinduoduo because this is the Chinese internet giant that owns Timu, the e-commerce platform that operates here in the United States. It's not called Timu in China. It's called something else, but it's Timu here. And it Pinduoduo reporting, or we'll call it PDD too, as many refer to it in the markets here, that's its ticker symbol, reported some really strong growth numbers this morning. And that sent shares rocketing higher. Last I looked, they were up nearly 20%. And so we also got the news over the last few days that Shein is preparing to go public and list here in the United States. So it makes you wonder, sort of, are they using the same business model? We don't know yet, um, but we can imagine that they're employing some of the same tactics. And because Pinduoduo is public, maybe that gives us hints about what we could potentially expect from a Xi'an prospectus or S1. It's right now filed confidentially. So we don't see any numbers or anything until it actually posts that publicly. Timo, though, and we looked at some third-party data, it's actually crushing its rival Xi'an on both sales and monthly customers. This is according to Bloomberg's second measure, that third party, and Timu just surpassing on both metrics this year and then has continued to pull ahead. We showed these charts on TV this morning and Timu just, you know, when the line crosses, the Timu line just keeps going up and up. So Pinduoduo, we actually have the actual numbers because again, it's public. Revenue overall nearly doubled year over year. Sales and marketing expenses, they were up 55%. That shouldn't be surprising, Gilbert, because you know it had the Super Bowl commercials. It's advertising just everywhere you look. It's kind of just bombarding you. And it's losses, right? We've talked about this as well. Spends a lot of money to subsidize the customer. They were actually less than feared. Right. And and Timu, um, you know, that Timu growth maybe should not be unexpected because Shein as a fast fashion company, right? Uh, you know, taste turns quickly. Uh, and mm-hmm. and so Timu uh, has a different value proposition than than Shein does as a brand, which I think this dichotomy between these two companies raises a question that Bernstein asked in a note today: If you're bullish on Timu, do you short Shein out the gate? Is that the pair trade? So I I don't know. I take a little bit of issue with this, and we had a good discussion this morning on Tech Check with Sarah Eyes and. I don't know that you have to choose one or the other. So I did think it was interesting that Bernstein phrased it this way. Is this sort of a zero-sum battle? I don't know, because there is one way of reading this that it could actually be a good sign for Xi'an, right? If Pinduoduo and Timu are pulling this off, maybe it tells us that Xi'an could use the same playbook to pull it off as well, or even a similar playbook. Let's go through that playbook. So both platforms, they offer steep, steep discounts on already cheap stuff. So essentially, they're subsidizing to gain scale and capture the American consumer. As we've seen, Gilbert, this can be a very 
risky strategy. I go back to Uber and Lyft, right? They were just subsidizing the rider for so many years. And then when push came to shove, they couldn't actually, it was very difficult to make a profit, net income profit on that. And I, you know, it's so funny that you bring up that example because that's an example, right? Where Lyft always made the argument that you could have two winners, right? Mm -hmm. Uber was big, but Lyft was, Lyft was going to, and he's the CEO, the new CEO is still making that argument, right? We just want to be a player, but it's not how it turned out, right? Uber, uh, you know, for all of its problems, continued to become a, continued to grow and become a giant global company. Lyft has, you know, it doesn't have the eats business, it's regional, uh, and it is just, uh, you know, the share price has gone absolutely nowhere. It's become a tiny company. That's what I was going to say. I mean, maybe you can have two, but there's one clear winner here, and that would be Uber because, you know, it's returned a lot more to shareholders, although I wouldn't say that much, whereas Lyft has really just, I mean, it went public at $72. I think it's trading below or around $10 now. I have to check. Um, but yeah, it hasn't paid off. But here's where Pinduoduo is different. It actually shows that in e-commerce, at least for this company, there is in fact a path to profitability. And I'm not talking adjusted EBITDA unit economics, real net income. Um, Bernstein notes that Pinduoduo went from negative 100% to positive 60% margin in China. That's its China business. And then in the US side, figures that it's already hit break even on a unit economic basis. So how did it do this? One, eventually it will have slightly higher markups. And two, less discounts as American shoppers become entrenched. That was always the promise, right? That's what others who, and we should mention Amazon as well, right? Lost money for a long time until it finally found that path of profitability. But in this case, it happened so much faster. Um, if you look at its balance sheet, in the first nine months of the year, Pinduoduo had more than $5 billion in net income and nearly $8 billion in cash and cash equivalents. That is a very hefty pile. Yeah, that's a lot of capital that it can use to to wage this war to capture an American audience through through discounts and marketing. Uh, and and we don't know, as you mentioned, if Shein is profitable, and we'll, we will see those numbers uh, if it files for. Uh, I mean, it already it is filing for a U.S. IPO, but when we get that prospectus, we will see those numbers. Um, you know, an IPO, if it's successful, right, would presumably raise a lot of money for Shein and give it money and ammo to compete with Timu and, you know, the rest of the, the, you know, global shopping sites like, you know, Amazon and, and Etsy and all the Shopify sellers out there, which sort of yeah. raises the question, I think, why go public at all? And I think Gilbert, you and I have been covering the IPO market for long enough to know that just because a company files confidentially is no surefire thing that they're actually going to go public. So we have to see, but, but you ask a good question, why go public? Obviously there is some pressure to go public. I just want to mention one other interesting advantage um, that both Shein and Timu may have. We've talked about this before as well against Amazon and that is, and, and that path to profitability because it all fits in um, lower take rates for merchants, right? And they probably share some of the same merchants. That is third-party sellers. They can charge them less than, say, an Amazon, which sort of ha has a different financial structure. I think that we've that one really interesting question today that we've brought up is, um, you know, if there's one, if you have a rival who's who's very very successful, and you look at the other company in the space, is that bad for them? Or is that good for them? And sometimes right. we try to read that in earnings all the time, right? You know, Facebook has a huge quarter, and we say, oh, is that is that bullish for Snap? Because you know, Snap mm -hmm. also is going to have a, a big ads business quarter, or is that bearish for Snap? Because Facebook went and took business from Snap, right? So that's that's what Got we're on. trying to figure out. One, and I think the second really interesting question 
that is sort of involved in this story is, is this the type of IPO where they're trying to um, take it public so that they can acquire capital to grow? Or is this ringing the register at the top, right? And trying to get some, trying to get some valuation out of the business because they think that, that growth has peaked. It can't be the latter, in my opinion, because the IPO market by no means is like wide open. We had a few in September to sort of test the waters. And I think the early conclusion so far is like, eh, it's open for those that kind of have to go or want to go. And maybe Shan is in that class. Like you said, maybe it's going to show really outstanding growth over the last year, right? Because you have to present two years of financial history. Um, but I think it's probably more likely that it needs the capital to compete with Timu. The American consumer right now is willing to spend money on these apps. They want a discount. So maybe take advantage of that moment for the consumer versus a moment for the stock market. I also wanted to mention, you know, and I hinted at this earlier, but one big difference here is that Shein is a brand, right? I mean, for for our listeners yeah, who might not point. actually shop on these sites, uh, Shein is a brand like H&M is a brand or Uniqlo or uh, Nike or Apple, right? It has a reputation for cheap clothing, uh, I think for, you know, like young younger consumers, especially to do these unboxing videos where they get, you know, you can get seven pieces of clothing for the price of, you know, one that you would get at, a, at an American store. And and there has been some definite backlash to that style of shopping, mm-hmm. that fast fashion shopping. Timu, on the other hand, is, is just a site, right? It's a platform like Amazon mm-hmm. or eBay. You don't look for Timu shoes. You look for shoes on Timu. For now, at least. Who knows? Maybe, you know, the private label business has been a good one for other, for other retailing platform. So we'll see. But you're right. I think also just an important blowback of Shein being, you know, fast fashion retail or some of the supply chain stuff where it sources those clothings. And there's been some reports that, you know, maybe there's they manufacture in the Xinjiang region of China, which is very controversial. And actually, we're going to do sort of a deeper dive for our weekly this week on Shein's secret sauces. Part of that is manufacturing. And it's so hard to see where they manufacture because they use something called small batch manufacturing. And also, which we'll get into at another date, Gilbert, but the stamp tax, how these companies are able to sort of get their products in without paying huge tariffs um, by using some loopholes. So <laughs> we love this topic and we'll certainly be doing more on I, it. Yeah. I think once you start to investigate uh, these business models, they're fascinating. I think also if you just spend a little time on Shein.com or on the Timu app, you, you know, it just sort of their limitless uh, business stories that sort of jump out at you. So yeah, we'll continue to look at it this week. Join us tomorrow back here on Tech Check.